All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was, Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your new show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all of their other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. I'm very happy to have you all here with me, Tim. I'm excited. I feel like it's Christmas time. Do you know why? Do you know why, Tim? Why is it Christmas time? Well, Wednesday, we had a good guest, Marty Biron. It was okay. You know, he's always an interesting guy. And now we're just going to take it to the next level. We got a guy who's just killing it. He's just so much energy. One of my good friends, whenever the charity season opens up, I, would, I like to call him my mini-me. I don't know. It, it's a strange dynamic we have, but PJ Stock is joining the show. PJ, how are you, my friend? It's like Christmas. It's like a gift. It's just a gift today. Oh, it's uh, unbelievable. Doing well. Doing well. Thanks, big guy. I, I'm in, uh, living up in Montreal right now, and our province is on shutdown, so good. it's uh, on lockdown. But uh, everyone's uh, healthy and uh, good, so pretty excited about today, big man. You should be excited. It is an honor to be on my show. It really is. It's one of the exclusive <laughs> shows, so you should be happy. So the reason I reached out to you, we, we tried to square this up a few, like, gosh, months and months ago. I, I came on your FaceTime thing, your Instagram. What's that called? Stock Insta Live. Insta Live. What's your? Stock Talk. Stock, Stock Talk, Talk yeah. on Instagram. Do you still do that? Yeah, I took some, well, when the season started, I kind of took some time off to kind of just um, we're in the midst of changing platforms and going to via podcast or, or YouTube, but we took some time off from that. To, it was going every week and it was a blast. And I just wanted to take some time to just dive into hockey, which has been great. And it's every night 
right now. So I didn't, I, I didn't think there'd be that opportunity to try and distract people from watching the game. So not that they would anyways, <laughs> but it, it is, I wanted to really engulf myself in the season this year. And it's, 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 as watching the Canadians games and working uh, for RDS, it's been a lot very early uh, in the season. Very good. All right. So the reason I reached out and asked you was because there's been something brewing in Montreal. It's been brewing for the last two weeks. They've been struggling. No one knows what the issue is. And, you know, things kind of came to a head this week when they fired the coach, Claude Julien, for the second time in his tenure, has been fired as a Canadians coach. They brought in Burroughs. They um, promoted Dominique Descharmes to head coach. Yeah, close. Your French is getting better. You spent time in Montreal. I thought you'd, and you'd be fluent by now. I literally spent 14 hours in Montreal. <laughs> I played one game. I had a poutine, and I was gone the next morning. Like, no one knew do I you, was there. Do you, um, do you have the hot dogs? Like, there's two ways of having hot dogs in Quebec. There's steamé, which is steamed buns. Yep. Or, or you get the toasté, which is, like, toasted. We do so toasted. that's the two. You do toasted, eh? Yeah. But how many when, people, go ahead. How, how, like, you'd come to – like, I, of course, when you came on the road, whichever team you were with, they, they would always get some in the, in the room after the game. 20, the, 20 to 25. You'd eat 20 to 25? During a game, yeah. Hot dogs? Yeah. No, come on. From the start oh, yeah. of the – from the drop of the puck in the first period to the end of the game, on a good night where I was hungry and in a bad mood, 20 to 25 hot dogs. Are we talking like the little pigs in a blanket? No, we're talking average-sized hot dogs. They're not your footlongs, but they're a decent-sized dog. Wow. And they're, but they're like, they're like, they're toasted, right? So yeah. they're like a little squishy, little, yeah. and you can inhale them. Oh, like I, I've done a dozen. Hatch. I've yeah. done a dozen, but like I'm half the size of you, so that's yeah. understandable. That's understandable. You double the number, but you now I'm going to test myself. You would do your workout, and you would be done with your workout after the first period. The team would come in. You would jump in the shower, and then you would have the second and the third period to just do whatever. I'd go sit in the trainer's room. I would lean back, and I would put on, like, Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune, and it would be in French, so I couldn't understand what they were saying, and i just crush hot dogs. And I would hear the big bell center horn. Boom. I'm like, oh, we're losing 2 nothing. Great. Another hot dog. I might, you know, it's just, it's just what I did because I never played in Montreal, ever. I was just going to say, the best part of the story is that we left out we both didn't play in, the, in that <laughs> ring anyways. <laughs> they never had anybody tough. I played one game there when they had George Peros, and that was it. And so I never, ever played in Montreal. So it was just one of those things where I just – and it was great because the hot dogs were fantastic. Very good. Anyways, Here. so what's going on with the Canadians? You work for RDS. You mentioned your stock talk, your – all in on the Canadians just this year. I don't know if you're sick of talking of them, but we, we, we talk about the Leafs a lot and in change, we talk about the North division a, a lot because it's just, it's entertaining. Like what's going on at the beginning of the season. They were the hottest team in the NHL. They're seven, one and two. They, you know, they're planning the parade. It's them in Toronto. Everybody's just anointing them. What a genius Bergevin was. He brought in all these guys. He's just the mad genius. Finally, you know, his vision is coming in to, to focus now. What happened? It's just, they imploded. Well, I actually tweeted out, uh, you know, GM of the year. He was joking. You know, two weeks into the season because they had been doing everything. Everything went well. And I don't know um, if it was somewhat of a mirage, but I, I didn't think, like, Vancouver was that bad. I didn't think that some of the teams that the Canadians were playing were as bad as they were 
or were the Canadians really as good as the way the way they were? Sorry, were the Canadians as good as they were the way they started the season? Like everything they touched was was magical. Like if you go back and see some of the highlights from some of the goals, I mean, they scored. Anderson was batting pucks out of the air nonstop. You know, like just full speed batting puck out of the air goal. Uh, Tyler Toffoli when he played against Vancouver, I mean, anywhere anytime he touched the puck, he went in the net. So they got off to a great start. The guys that Bergevin brought in uh, were, you know, impact right away from uh, Jake Allen and the Nets was that backup that they'd been missing for a while. He was having success. Uh, you look at Edmondson on the back end was a big solid defenseman to solidify the top four. Uh, Romanoff was a draft pick that comes in on the back end. He starts off really, really nicely and smoothly transitioned from the KHL to the NHL. And then up front, of course, the two names were just scoring goals at a crazy pace. So everything was great for two weeks. You know, everyone was great for two weeks. And then, and then everyone else's two weeks kind of, they were able to, there was no training camp, right? So it took teams to adjust a little. The problem is Montreal didn't alter anything that they did from the start of the season. So those other teams adjusted, changed things up. Well, the Canadians are having success this way. And this is like the glory uh, of, of the division. We like it because we watch them play each other all at the same time. Yeah. But it's the coaching staffs now, once you look for playoffs, you play that team three games in a row, you adapt. The Canadians started, their game started getting shut down. The guys weren't scoring. The goaltending wasn't as great. The, the mobility on the back end wasn't there. And they weren't getting those bounces. So it, 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 it got a little, um, you don't want to say frustrating for some of the players, uh, but you know, the winds aren't there. The coaching isn't being changed. Uh, so no coaching, sorry, the, the lineup's really not being changed. There's not, they're, they're not getting the bounces. And when you're talking joke about us and eating hot dogs before, but you would alter the game differently back then. There's real, they don't have that anymore, you know? So how do they do it? You got to do it internally. And whether it's coaching, changing the lines or whatever, there's, there was no spark. This team didn't have a spark in the last little while. And it, and it just, compounded and compounded and before you know it you know they lost they have a bad game against Ottawa another bad game against Ottawa a bad game against Edmonton and it's in the snowball and they just couldn't get out of that funk and I think Bergevin it's the last I hate using this terminology bullet in his chamber or whatever you want to call it but before that he he's fired himself yeah yeah like well he's run out of chances he he's ran through a couple coaches he, this is his last gasp to save his job. I've been saying it for years. I, I felt like he should have been fired two, three years ago just because he really hasn't done anything up until this year that's helped this team. You know, the trades that he's made have made this team worse. The Duran trade, the Shea Weber trade, you can argue is a good trade for Montreal, but the signing of Carey Price, there's been a lot of things that he's done. It's just like you scratch your head, like, what are you doing? This offseason, he knocked it out of the park. He brought in well, all those guys. Well, hold on. Did he really knock it out of the park? Or, I mean, well, he listen. The reason why they went and got they almost trade Domi for Anderson. Yeah. Anderson had one goal last year uh, and uh, four points, which I think is a spectacular season. By the way, <laughs> I think those numbers are great. But and then he had sh- shoulder surgery. It's it's a huge risk, and yeah. you sign him to what a six year deal? I think uh, right out, out of that. So um, it's panned out. Listen, it's it's panned out uh, perfectly. But there's so many other issues that they have. The reason why you had to go get these players and sign them is because they have no one internal. Like they don't have 
their minor league team has not made the playoffs like six of the last seven years. The Canadians were – they were 24th last year. Let's not forget that. They were 24th last year. Yes, they brought in players, and, and that's why I said, was it a mirage to start of the season? Um, I don't know because all the warts that they had last year, besides those four guys that, are, that have come in, they're all showing their heads again now. Um, and I think the big issue, issue is going to be their salary, salary cap, like they're there now. And they have to sign at the end of the season. They have five important players that need contracts, from Dano to Lekkanen to Armia to Tatar um, and Kokanyemi. Like all these guys need – so they're all playing without that co- contract in their back pocket. Is it playing with their minds? I don't know. But there's a lot that falls on Bergevin here. And I'm very surprised that he had the opportunity to do what he did this summer. I really yeah. am. Like you said, it's, I feel like he has a good relationship with Molson. And so he's given him a lot of rope to work with. And this is the last kick of the can for him. But I, mind you, I said that last year and I said it the year before and nothing happened that year. And I don't know who knows what's going to happen this year. You mentioned Dano. I think this is one of the main reasons why they're struggling. So the Montreal Canadiens first line last year was a revelation. They were great. No yeah. one knew what to expect. All of a sudden, Tatar Deneau and Gallagher were just setting the world on fire. They were great. They, were, they worked well together. Deneau has zero goals this year. Tatar's been a healthy scratch. Gallagher's been a shell of himself. Why? why? You watch every game. What's going on? Well, first off, I don't like saying this because I, you have to love him, his compete level. But the Brendan Gallagher said, like, I think – that's going to be one of the worst contracts the Canadians have given out a long time. For mm-hmm. so many reasons, I was like the only person in Montreal the last couple of years saying to trade Gallagher because he was scoring 30 goals a year, uh, playing the way every player, you know, you, you, as a parent, you want your kid to watch Gallagher play because the way he competes and everything. But you can only play that way for so long. You know, we know that. And, and I think he's kind of, believe it or not, slowing down a tad already. And he's just starting his new long-term contract. So that's going to be interesting. But last year, they were the line. The last two years, actually. And Dano, for so many things that he, you know, you know, is not working this year, he's been doing it for the last two years. Um, this year, because of the other guys, now you, you have a lot more depth. There's only one puck. And you can only put three forwards on at a time. Last year, it was just easy. It was those guys that went on. And now they're not getting as many as those those offensive opportunities. Um, they're not. They're not. The confidence is not there because they're not. Last year it was just always them. Now it's not always them. It's not. They're getting. Last year they were getting the touches on the power play. This year they're not necessarily getting the touches on the power play. I think it's so mental uh, right I think now. Their feelings are hurt. I I I think it's going to be interesting with the ch- uh, coaching change to see. I think they were. I think Dano, for one, um, the fact that he doesn't have his contract, the fact that uh, the whole city was over him because of the playoffs, the two weeks in the playoffs, he was kind of pushed back to a third-line center behind Kikinemi and uh, Kokinemi and Suzuki. Um, I th- and, and then he goes into the start of the season with no contract. I, I, I do. I do think his feelings are hurt. I really do. I that's kids of today though, right? Yeah, I was just going to say it. Kids today are so incredibly soft. If you're going to let that, well, what's Tatar's problem then? Like he was well, a leading well, scorer last year and he, he's yeah. a healthy scratch now. 
Much well, more talking about Jeff Skinner this week with Marty Biron. Like, well, what's the deal with these guys? Like, I, I do like to compete from them. It's just they're not getting the same looks. They're not getting the same – like last year, they got the best two defense that, on the ice with them. They got all the opportunities. It was – they had the swagger. They had the moxie. They had everything. This year, they don't have anything. A, Gallagher's slowing down, um, which is crazy to say. Tatar isn't getting the bounces. And Danelle is getting absolutely nothing. Like, it's just – they're generating some opportunities, but not much. And, again, they're stuck in a division. You know, no – this is not a shot against the Habs, but they're stuck in a run-and-gun division. Like, if you think about it, Edmonton has, you know, is, is high-end, McDavid uh, and, and, and Dreisaitl and the way they play. Toronto is high-end. Um, Vancouver's got some real offensive punch. Winnipeg's got uh, some punch. Winnipeg's got some. So Montreal doesn't play that same. They have to have a shutdown game. They have to be able to play offensive. It's not just the one style anymore that they can go night to night. It's like the playoffs they're playing every night so that every team can strategize against them. They don't have some of the weapons that some of these other teams have. Um, so they're just not getting. And I think, I really do think so much of it's mental. I, I really, Shea Weber, like who we all have heard, he's such an amazing leader and the guys love him, came out just last week and said, it's, it's not a good environment. Oof. So if, when do we ever use the media? Never. Never, unless you're at that point. Yeah. And they're, it's not like they're in last place. They're no. in fourth place. Like, they're a competitive team. They, they still have a lot of, lot of runway left in this season. And for him to come out and say there's a problem, what does that mean? Is there a problem in the room? There's a problem with the coaches? Maybe that's what he was alluding to. That's why Julian's gone. That's why Kirk Muller's gone. Who knows? Do you see this coaching change kind of changing things in the room, changing things on the ice, bringing in Alex Burroughs for some reason. I don't know where he comes into the equation, but he's there. He speaks French, you know, good for him. He, you know <laughs> why? That's why he got hired. He's been in I'm, I'm convinced. I'm convinced Bergeron just goes on the street. You, you speak French? <laughs> Assistant coach, now. You're getting my office. So do you see this switching their team? Is this going to make a difference, or is it just like whatever, same style, same coaching? He's your, he was well, a coach. It'll, they have to change the style. I think one of the things that hurt Claude a little was um, he didn't adapt a ton. He kind of had his way of doing things. Uh, he loved the four-line system, uh, loved the veterans, um, and that's – it was kind of his MO in Boston. Same thing in Montreal, and that's why, you know, it's interesting that I, I – Twitter is so fun to listen to. Um, but just – I shouldn't be repeating this, but who cares? It's on Twitter. But Dale Weiss goes to Twitter last night or two nights ago, and he says, well, with this coaching change, I guess there won't be any uh, – there'll be no more too many men on the ice penalties. And I'm like, oh, so that's a shot at his old coach. So, which is interesting um, that that comes out. And that's interesting that an ex-player would say that because uh, no one really has really anything bad to say about Claude, but and I don't Did Julian have a problem with putting too many guys on the ice? I don't understand that. <laughs> well, he's just – they get – every year they almost lead the league with too many men on oh, the ice. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He just doesn't pay attention, Claude, during the game? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. So, so, listen, the issue that I think the Canadians are stuck with 
they have two young centers, right? Suzuki and KK, 21 and 22 or 21 and 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going against every night McDavid or, or Matthews. Yep. Matthews or Tavares. Yeah, uh, you know Vancouver is a young core, but you got Shifley and Shifley. Yeah, you got uh, some and, solid centermen. Yeah, so it's and as much as a, the, they brought in a lot of support on the wing, a lot of we know that the the, the centermen drives the bus. They win yeah, Stanley Cups, centermen and defensemen. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and I, their defense lacks mobility, and there's down the pipe they. Down the pipe, they got two young guys that are, are learning, and they have a guy that hasn't scored who was the bread and butter last year. So it's getting frustrating. I, I and it's they don't get a night off because they're playing the same guys every night. Their their night off is not going to play Arizona or going to play, you know, their night off is playing Matthews and Marner, or the next night it's playing again. Like I said, dry settle. Now their their next game is Winnipeg. Like it's it's nonstop. It's they play these teams ten times each. So it's adapt or die. And I think they weren't adapting, so they made a change. So let's go back to the salary cap and kind of the situation that they're in. You mentioned Gallagher's contract, which is like you said, in three years, this thing's going to be an albatross. No one's going to touch you. He's making 6.5 for six years. That's a lot of coin for a guy, like you said, who plays the way he plays. And then there's the other giant elephant in the room of a contract. That is your goaltender. Carey Price, he's making 10.5. He's making that until 2025-26. So you're, you're stuck with this guy for another five years. So he should be the best player on the ice. He should be the best player in the room. He's not. Jake Allen has outplayed him. Price hasn't had a good season since 16-17. He played well in the playoffs last year. Don't get me wrong. Does, does he shoulder any of the blame? What's the media like? On him, do they ever give him a hard time, or are they still just like you know, kid gloves with them? Oh, you're so great, Kerry. You know, I, it's an interesting. I went on radio the other day, and I said that I, I don't understand still the fascination with Kerry Price, and I, it's not a shot at him as much as it's a comparable to other goalies. Like I know we used to always get those, you know, the players in the league are always you get that sheet in the in your locker. It says fill out the. Uh, you know, your questionnaire. And yeah. you always just, hey, guys, who'd you put for best score? Yeah, I write down Ovechkin. I wrote Ovechkin. Everyone writes down Ovechkin really quick. You know, best. So, Kerry, I guess, is win by, wins by the player poll. But if you look at statistically, like you said, in the last three years, he's just above a 900 goalie. You know, that's, that's, that's as a starter, that's bottom tier of the league. He's a ball um, average goalie, yeah. So, you can compare, you can, you know, you, then you can say, you can bring in any stat to argue about, uh, shots from here, shots from there. I don't really use goals against average because I find that more teamish. Me, it's save percentage. And I'm like, at the end of the day, if he stops those ones but lets these ones in, it, they're still goals. And and then every goalie's in that situation. It's comparable. Um, and and the well, maybe that their defense was better. Well, the defense could have been better if the team had more money because you kind of handcuffed them by taking on a contract of ten and a half million. The other thing about the ten and a half million. You know, we mentioned Matthews, Marner, and all these guys that to make the ten and a half million. They play every night, and they yep. play twenty-five minutes every night. Carey plays 60 percent of the games. So, if you think of you know the other forty percent, you're completely relying on somebody else who's been doing a pretty good job himself this year. 
So the 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 carry price contract is is an issue. Um, I think it's a, a tough pill to swallow because he's a diminishing asset. He had a great two weeks in the playoffs last year, but he hasn't been the same goalie since his MVP season. And how do you fix it? You don't. You're you're handcuffed with this guy for the next five years. That's that's the issue here, and that's the sad thing with Montreal. They, they, you can't go in here, especially with the flat salary cap. They're done. They're absolutely done. They have no room to, to maneuver. Then you have Gallagher. Yeah. You have Weber, who's making a big ticket. You have these three contracts, and I, it, it doesn't look good. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very tough look for Montreal fans who started the season with so much promise. And I was on board. I'm like, oh, you can lock it in. Yeah. Montreal, Toronto, one, two. Like, what an amazing job. And then they've just completely imploded. Who knows? They might write the ship. What do you think? Issues, I think, what, is their special teams. What, when, did, when did these contracts, like, when you, John, you were playing, um, contract was, what, three years maybe? Yeah. Some, some, somebody maybe got four years. You know, this, these six, seven, eight-year contracts, I don't get. I just, because now you're stuck in the, you're stuck with them. Or you give everyone gets a no move clause. Yeah, the players have gotten a lot more control uh, during the last five years. I feel like, and I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what transition, but yeah, you would be hard pressed. Like obviously, there was some outliers when Kovalchuk signed a big one, Rick DiPietro signed a big right. one. And everyone's like, "Whoa, like this is strange." Yeah, three four years was the was the norm. Now it's like, how, how do those two contracts work out though? Oh, really good though. Both teams they won multiple Stanley Cups. Those guys are in the Hall of Fame, according to Tim. Here's a question. Do you think Kovalchuk deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? Hockey Hall of Fame. Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. As, this a, is as, a, as opposed to the other Hall of Fame. <laughs> the basketball one. Um, you know, it's not I the NHL have, Hall of Fame. I don't have his stats in front of me right now. Um, that's a, See, my thing is, it is. I could make an argument with Tim because it is the Hockey Hall of Fame, but I have to look at his stats right now to actually give it – like. I don't know. Oh man, it's not fair because I'm just speaking out of my arse because I don't have anything in front of me. Um, what's his numbers? What's his? He's got like a thousand uh, points. He won the MVP in the KHL. Tim's thing is like he he did so good in the KHL, and then my reasoning is well, why don't we just take every MVP in the KHL and throw him in the Hockey Hall of Fame? I don't even know if you're being serious, John, when you say stuff like that. Or if you're being dead to get serious because that's your argument. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the today, both bodies of work. KHL is a terrible league. Everyone always compares no, it to the NHL. You can't. It's a sucky league. It's not as good as the NHL. It never will be. I do agree with that. Like, it's – you can't it, – we're talking – I can – on the international level, that's what I was meant by it. You could use players that uh, have had success. Olympics and NHL. That's it. Yeah, right. On different levels. You know, you, maybe for a moment, someone like – Someone got eight goals in, in a game. Maybe a stick goes in there for a, a week or something, and in, in, in a wing. But do do his his accomplishments? I think he ruined a lot here by signing that deal and then leaving. So I don't think people or the who have a decision to put him in would put him in. I don't think he's loved uh, because of that. So and no, John, the answer is no. Me, yeah, I was trying to be nice. Yeah, no. No, we, we go black and white here on this show. It's yes or no. The answer is no. It's a hard no on Kovalchuk. And he was with the Canadians. He did really well with Montreal when he was with the Canadians. He had what? He had a good first week. I think yeah, he, had, he, he had a good little run. 
And then we've they talked let, about this on this show where all a player needs to do when they first make the NHL play good for one year, then you're set for the next five. Galchenyuk's yeah. the same. We were talking about Galchenyuk. He played good for a couple of years in Montreal, and he's just riding the wave because everyone thinks they can re- resuscitate his career. How do you think he'll do in Toronto? I don't know if there's just I don't know where he's going to play in the lineup. You know, that's probably it's forward. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> where he's going to play. Uh, like, like I said, I don't think there's enough pucks for him. So he's definitely not going to play on the top line. Is he a depth guy? I think so because that team's going to make a run. Uh, can a guy like Joe Thornton compete for this season and then a two-month playoff? I don't know. So does a guy like Galchenyuk uh, having – they don't have a lot of scoring on the third and fourth line. So I don't know. But, you, like, everyone thinks you can take one of those players and, and revitalize them. Um, so he has one of the skill sets that a lot of third and fourth liners don't have. He has a scoring capability. The problem is the reason why it's his fifth team in the last couple of years, it's because he has a scoring, but it's the other 19 things, parts of his game that he doesn't do. And then one of the things is, you know, when he doesn't have the puck, I know people hate hearing this, um, but when he doesn't have the puck, he's at his worst. You know, the, his compete factor, his positioning, his, 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 his lanes, everything. I mean, if he, with a player that was third overall in his talent for other teams to move you on so many so many times there's definitely some words nail yakupov what's with these russians honestly <laughs> i don't want to go down that road but anyways okay i, I touched on the, the special teams of montreal they're in the bottom third of the league and penalty kill and power play they've almost scored more shorthanded goals than they have power play goals that's an issue what do they have to do just go old school give it back to shea and let them bombs away or like what's the what do they need well to do? they're <laughs> Listen, one of the things they, they used to have the best power play in the league when they had uh, Lexi Kovalev. So I'm going back. E. Lafleur and those guys. Yes. <laughs> John Bellabel. Yeah. John Bellabel. They were number one in the league. <laughs> uh, so they're missing a real offensive threat. Uh, besides Shea Weber's uh, shot, they don't really have, like, I think back to Mark Bergevin, he addressed size this uh, summer and some depth uh, because last year they would only kind of play one way. They had. You know, they try and skate teams. Uh, but then when teams were able to shut down their lanes and play physical against them, Canadians, you know, couldn't play that way because I can eat an apple off of most of the players' heads. Yeah. Uh, and if I can say that, you know what that means. They're very so, short. PJ's yes. five foot seven. Ten and one eighth. Five, With his skates eight. on. Five, ten and one eighth. <laughs> With your skates on. So, you know, you look at um, – the, the, the problem that they, they have is that they don't – there's a minute left to go in the game. Who are the guys you put on the ice? Yeah. You, you don't have you don't – it's whoever's hot that night. You know, in almost any other team, you know, you're putting Wheeler Shifley on in, in Winnipeg. You're putting Gabriel on Bressel. You're putting Crosby walking on. Montreal, it's like – so, yes, Shea Weber has an unbelievable shot. But once you take that away from, from the Canadians – What do you left now, with? Yeah. What do you, what, what do you do? Now, so they haven't, and it's just, I think, I, you know, I, I really am a fan of Kirk Muller, so I haven't liked taking shots at the power play the last couple of years because I like Kirk, but yeah. I didn't like the power play for the last so many years because of the way they set up. Um, I think the biggest thing is if you look at teams that have success, whether it's the Tampa Bay one, the Washington power play, the, the, as we mentioned, Winnipeg, it's, it's simple math nowadays. It's where do you have the best chance of scoring? And it's, you, you have to line it up for one-timers. 
as many one-timers on the ice as possible. So the successful teams pretty much do two left-handed shots and three right-handed shots. So, you know, it would be Shea Weber in the Ovechkin spot, the Stamkill spot. You have Carlson at the top in Washington. That would be the Petrie guy. Uh, that, and then you have a left-handed guy on the wall, which was the old Kovalev guy. They don't have a guy that can score from the wall. So that's one of the problems. So that takes away an option. They have a bumper guy in the middle, which all the team, you know, Oshie in Washington is the guy there. I think Shifley, I think, in, in uh, Winnipeg. Uh, they got a few bumper guys now, whether it's uh, uh, Anderson or Toffoli, the bumper guy. problem is the, the down low guy, right, the goal front, the spinning around guy, who's also a bumper, he's got to be a left-handed guy. And they just put right-handed guys in those half-wall positions. Besides Toronto, they're one of the only power plays in the league where they, there's no one-timer option. They do catch it on their crossbody, mm-hmm. but Matthew's shot is ridiculous, so we can't really argue that. Yeah. But the Canadians don't have that. If so, you don't have a guy who's a threat to score on the wings on a power play, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because the, the box just tightens right up, and you can just, just clog it up, and you can't get anything through, and you can't get the passes into the middle. It, it makes life really, really difficult. Then you have to do these little dink and doink passes and hopefully get a back door. It's just really tough. I don't know, PJ. I don't know what the answer is. Well, they, I think they just – first thing I do is you just do, go, to the, go to the simple left, left, three rights. I don't care who it is. And, and you have to try to, whatever you can, move the puck quick. The moment you stand still, like you said, you box, close, box closes down. You take a shot and turn a power play, everything moves. So yeah, you got to get a shot yeah. off as quick as you possibly can, get the box moving, and then you need – don't, don't shot, shot, shot. And they don't. They're stagnant. Uh, they don't, and then they don't have the right guys taking the shots. And it's, it's, it's been tough to watch the last couple of years. Listen, some teams have to be in the bottom tier. Unfortunately, Montreal's there, and I think a lot of it has to do because they don't have the right players. Does Mark Bergevin last a season? Well, okay. Do you if think this continues? If this continues their streak, just say in their next 10, they go 2-6-2. and two. Does he last a season? Does Molson finally pull the trigger and say, you're gone, we're going to you know, start fresh, or do they just ride it out and get it rid of him at the end of the year? Okay, you were talking before about uh, the Francophone coach situation in Montreal. Yeah. Who would be the next general manager then? It would have to be a Francophone. Um, right. It would have to be Julian Brisebois. Well, Julian's Tampa now, so he's not leaving the deal in what Tampa. What about Jacques Lemaire? He's 75. he's a little (laughs) old in the two i don't know i think he's done i think he lasts the year and they fire him but uh they got to make a change it's 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 time it really is time you know and i think you nailed on the head they don't have an elite person who can put the puck in the net for the last five years all he's done is sign second or third and fourth line guys we love second third fourth line guys you know i'm not gonna you're not going to win games with all, a whole lineup of, you know, Nate Thompson and those type of players. No offense to Nate. He's a great guy, but he's not, you know, it's just not going to win you games. So we'll see. I don't know. Well, anything else, Tim? I got one more question. We haven't yeah, talked baby. about Jeff, Jeff Petrie at all. And he's been like a pretty good, maybe above average defenseman his whole career. Now uh, in, in the bubble last year, he actually flourished during that tournament he broke you know scoring record and stuff and then now he's doing really well again almost a point per game as a defenseman like at 33 years old what what do you owe to this kind of renaissance is he just kind of clicking he's getting some luck or is he really taking it up another notch this late in his career 
I think, you know, the game has changed, uh, and he's a guy that's – it's more for his style. He's not, the more, he's not the most physical guy. So early in his career when the game was still a little bit like that, uh, he didn't flourish as well as use that term. Now he's, he's just – he's feeling the flow, the bull rider. He's just – everything's going well right now. Like, he's, he's, he's got confidence. He's got swagger. He's jumping in the rush every time. And, like, teams that have, you know, whether McCarr or Hughes or – it's because players can defend so well, as John mentioned, and everyone, and everyone can block up the lanes and everyone blocks shots. And goalies are all six foot 13 now. Uh, it's, it's – you have – you need that – and sorry, and teams all, always play back, have that third man high. The most important person on most of these rushes is that fourth person. You, who is that four, fourth person jumping in the rush? That's why it's, it's as I mentioned, some of those younger players that are having so much success with it uh, in, in in Dallas, Niskanen, Niskanen, Niskanen. You have there's so many of these young guys that can skate so well, and that's Petrie's game. Petrie's game now that the Canadians they push the pace, and he's been just in, been jumping in at the right spots, and you know, good for him. He's been one of the great stories the last couple of years we as much as we uh threw some sand on Bergevin today I think that was one of his best moves and best contracts you win down the middle they're not going to win there but I, I do like if you need at least a top four defense I, I don't mind their top four defense they can add a little bit more mobility in there oh I hope they start winning I think it's good when they're successful the league's not enjoyable when Montreal is successful hopefully they can figure it out hopefully this new coach Kind of can rally the troops, but I don't. I I don't see it. I don't see it happening. If you if they, you look in the north, I don't see them having the same firepower as the other teams, unless Carey Price really figures out his game and they can just kind of count on him every third or fourth game to steal a game. I just don't see it happening. I really don't. So Carey has to play again mathematically. <laughs> he's he's playing sixty percent of the games, right? So do do they look at it and forget about goalie number one, goalie number two? Do they ride the hot wave? Do they ride Allen? Can you see that happen in Montreal? You have to. You have to, especially if you're Bergevin and you're fighting for your job and you need to win. You got to do what you got to do. You're not going to trade price. Like there's nothing you can give up that another team's going to take on that contract. Even if you throw in a first rounder, I don't see it happening. Like this guy, he's untouchable. Like he's not going to go anywhere. You cannot spend that much money on a goalie and expect to contend for a long time. That, it's just impossible. And in this day, in this game, there's too many goalies that are good enough to win you a Stanley Cup. So, I don't know. I don't know. You can't, and you have him in, we'll say, the tail end of his prime, but still physically in that window. Uh, and you got Shea Weber kind of there as well. Petrie's up there in the 30s. Gallagher's 30. You know, Petrie's 30. Three, I think 32, we just said. Uh, you got Gallagher right there. They're all, the core is getting a little long in the tooth, so the window is kind of to, to win now-ish. But the flip side is you also have two kids that are 20 and 21 as your centermen, and you're, they don't have that experience as all those other teams that we mentioned. So, A, some are learning, and A, some are trying to win. It can't, it's hard to have that at the same time. Yeah. On the wings, that could be fine. But like you said, down the middle – it's a tough way to do it, especially in a division that you're facing off against so many great centermen. It's kind of sad to say that the window's closed, but the window is maybe making it to the second round of the playoffs. What a, what a great run we had. It was such an exciting run in Montreal, but the window's closed, so we got to move on. Like they, they, they haven't won anything. They haven't done anything. 
So no. to, to say that the window's closed, the window's closed on what? The, the trash heap across the street? Like, they haven't done anything. So, I don't know. Hopefully, they can pull it together. Um, PJ, it was a pleasure, man. Uh, it was Thanks, a buddy. blast talking to you. I hope everything's well. Hopefully, you can get out past 8 p.m. and uh, go to a restaurant soon. I would love to hear that. I would love to get on the road and do a charity event with you and share a beer with you. Maybe we'll maybe these- do it. Soon, right, buddy. Friend, thank you for being on the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Dropping Underscore Gloves for episode highlights, behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise, including T-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time.